This is for somebody out there today. I can feel it in my spirit. Someone out there just got the biggest shock of their life because what they were searching for, they went for, and it was not, in fact, where God was ultimately leaving them. And you're listening to the voice of Herod, and he's trying to make a deal with you, and he's trying to question you, and he's trying to be your buddy-buddy, and he's trying to get you in your feelings rather than your faith. I am telling you right now, put your eyes back on the star because the star is what led you in the beginning and the star is not going to stop until it's right over the destination where God would have you. Get your mind away from the enemy, capture every thought, make it obedient to the word of God and fix your eyes on Jesus. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles, back with you with another Christmas edition of the Autumn Miles Show. I love y'all so much. And I feel like I'm all in my everything uh, this morning emotionally because I just feel like the Lord this morning has been speaking to me about you, okay? Like he always does. Um, But I just, I don't take this lightly. My team doesn't take what we do lightly. It's so, it's important that you know, I feel like sometimes that, you know, we're not just throwing things together. These are things that have been prayed over and thought over. And and we always have, I always have you in mind every single time I uh, step up to this mic. And today is no different. I actually was just singing a song over you. Okay. Over you. Do you guys remember the song, I Surrender All? Um, if you don't, it's like, it's a... <sighs> It is a pillar of my childhood. (laughs) Every Sunday morning, my dad would get up to preach. And then like clockwork, after he was done preaching, he would come to the front. And the pianist on the right side would play I Surrender All. And the organist on the left side would play I Surrender All. And I used to have a much better voice than I have now. But so many speaking and um pushing my voice and challenging my voice, I'm actually a little hoarse this morning, has made my singing voice extremely raspy. It used to be, you know how it is, the youngins clear as a bell. But I was singing that over you this morning because I feel like someone out there just needs to open their hands and release whatever it is that they're holding. And we're going to get to that a lot After the break, we're going to continue in the series of signs from God in the Christmas story. I did not plan doing this, but now that I'm in it, I'm obsessed with all of the signs that God used in the Christmas story. And maybe this will tease you to make sure you come back after the break. Some of us have followed the sign and it led us to a place that's not what we thought. Some of us have followed the sign and we have been faithful, but what happens when you get to the sign 
and you still have journey to go, okay? That's what we're going to talk about today. I'm obsessed with it, and I hope it'll encourage you after the break. Okay, so what's happening in my life? Now, here's the thing. We have never told our kids about Santa Claus. No, that's not true. Um, we have talked about Santa Claus. I absolutely, I studied Santa Claus. Like, San Nicholas was a real person and I actually wrote an article about this for I think Faith Fire or something like that a couple years ago. I've studied the heritage of Santa Claus. Okay, was a real person. He he was an orphan and his parents left him a big inheritance and he actually would buy toys for the underprivileged kids in his little town. And because of those good works, he gained sainthood, which is why he's called Saint Nicholas. And then, you know, culture got involved and now he's Santa Claus and there's, you know, elves and the whole thing. So um, I tell my kids all the time, Santa Claus was real. Now, not what you see today, but he was a real person and now they've convoluted it. I wonder if he would recognize like the what in the world has happened to, to him and to the his... I guess it would be a, what is, is it a legend? No, it's not a legend. Like how, how people have really embellished his story. Um, I, he would probably be shocked. Anyways, we have never told our kids that Santa brings them presents. We never have. Now, if you think I'm a bad parent, that's okay. I never want to confuse my children like Santa Claus is real. And listen, if you do that, no judgment here. Like that, this is a choice that we've made. I, there really is no judgment here, okay? But I have always told them Santa is something we play, okay? Play. Now, in our little line is Santa is something we play, but Jesus is the way. Because when they're little, they don't understand that if Santa's not real, then is Jesus real? You know what I mean? So we never wanted to confuse them, and that's what we've done, and it's worked for us, okay? Whatever you do in your home is perfectly fine, no judgment, because I feel like a lot of people do the Santa Claus thing, and I have Santas everywhere, all over my house. Anyways, because of that, you guys, they know I buy all the toys and all the stuff. Now, my 18-year-old and my 15-year-old want nothing. They don't do toys anymore, obviously. I mean, sometimes Grace is a little, she's a big Disney fan. So she likes, you know, all the, like, the princesses and stuff like that. But she's not, like, like within reason, okay? But she's not asking for them for Christmas. She's 18 years old. This year, her list consisted of a microwave, a mini refrigerator. It consisted of like a twin bed bedding for her college dorm room. It consisted of stuff like that. And I'm like, no, we're not buying that yet. A, emotionally, I can't handle it because I can't. We'll do that in the summertime and I'll probably won't be able to handle it then, but I really can't handle it now. You know, Jude is, is asking for all of his things or whatever. So they know that we buy the toys. Like there's not like Christmas Eve, there's none there. And then Christmas morning, they're all there. And we all talk about Santa Claus. And we we don't, we left the carrot out for the reindeer one time and the cookie. And it was like, this is dumb. These cookies are good. Eddie and I ate the cookies right in front of them. It was like, <laughs> it was like not a thing. Okay. It just didn't work in our house. So 
what I did the other day was we collect when we find something that they like and what we know we're going to buy them for Christmas, we kind of collect them. And our hiding spot, spoiler alert, is my closet. Now, they're 18, 15, 8, and 8. They know it's my closet. They know, okay? They're incredibly intelligent. They're incredibly smart. So they know it's my closet. So I will tell them, hey, guys, don't go in the closet. This signals to them, mom bought us presents, okay? They're in there. When she's working, we're going to go look. They will never tell you that, but secretly I feel like that's what they do. I should put, like, a video in my closet to see. Anyway. So the other day I decided my closet has got too much stuff in it. Like we bought Moses a bike. Don't tell him. So it's huge. In my closet, I have like a coat over the bike. It's the worst hiding job of all time. Okay. It is the worst. And so I decided we are going to actually, you know what? My bike right now is behind my chair in my studio because I told Eddie, go put it out there because he's never going to look at my studio. And there it is. It's like right to my right. Anyways, we wrapped the presents. We put them out under the tree on like Saturday morning. Like it's not like it was some, it was like I wrapped them. I was screaming like, someone go find me the tape. Someone go find me. This is everyone knew I was wrapping the presents. Put them under the tree. And you would think it was the Super Bowl when I put them out there. There were kids and stuff flying everywhere. And we don't have the rule you can't shake your present because that's half the fun of Christmas right there, like shaking to see if you can guess what it is. So I have four little leech children. I mean, Grace, she she loves her bedroom. She doesn't emerge unless I call her. But she somehow heard the commotion, runs downstairs, four little leeches, and they're like, this one's yours, this one's yours. You would have thought it was Christmas morning, shaking their presents. I know what this is. I know what this is. I know what this is. And Haven has this thing where she is ripping the very top corner. Like she thinks I don't know what she's doing. I literally wrote the book on trying to pink and see what I know the president is. And so I know that she's eight. She's done it for like five years. So I tape up all her corners really good because I know she's trying to get a look at her presents. Jude goes to Eddie with his presents because he cannot keep a secret. If like Jude was to guess what's in the box. Hey, dad, am I getting this whatever? And it's actually in the box. Eddie cannot keep a straight face. So for years, I've had to guard my closet and guard Eddie's face because he will smile. He has the worst poker face ever. I can guess everything he's ever bought me um, within maybe not a couple of things, but just about everything else I know he's going to give me. So that is our world right now trying to keep the kids hands off of their presents because when it comes Christmas time they look like boxes that have been <laughs> tossed to and fro across you know some terrible storm and um you know that's just kind of how our days look when they get home from school right now so pray for your girl that is what's happening in my life. I love the Christmas season. I love those little moments. I was even thinking as they were like throwing their presents back and forth. A, I hope that's not breakable. And B, this is what it's about. Like this is, I'm going to set and zero in on this moment. Our house is chaotic anyway because there's so many of us. And just enjoy it. And I hope you're enjoying yours as well. I hope you are. Enjoy those moments. They go by way, way, way too fast. 
That baby ain't gonna be a baby very long. He's gonna, she's gonna be 18 and she's gonna be walking out that door. So anyway, that is what's happening in my life. Come back after the break. You're not gonna wanna miss this, guys. I'll see you in a sec. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Okay, I'm absolutely obsessed with what I'm getting ready to talk to you about because it is so good. And before we do this, I just want, can we just all surrender? Go to the Lord and just say, God, take our expectation, take our frustration, take our anxiety, Lord, we surrender what we thought was going to happen to you. We surrender the time that has passed and we still don't see the fulfillment of the promise to you. We surrender the journey that has been long and that has been hard that we're still on. We surrender all that to you. And word of God, speak. Speak so powerfully your truths that you have deposited right in the center of them. Spirit of the living God, give me the grace to tell them the way you told me. We love you and we do trust you. And we start this entire week off surrendering to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I feel extraordinarily connected to what I'm about to talk about, as I do every week. There's nothing that I share that I'm not connected to. But I have never shared this passage in this way. We've been talking about signs. We've been talking about signs particularly relating to a piece of the Christmas story. Bear in mind, the entire word of God is the Christmas story. The Old Testament points to the Gospels, and the New Testament points back to the Gospels. When you get to Genesis, it's pointing to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you go to Revelation, it's pointing back to the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
There are signs all throughout the Christmas story of God calming fears like he did Ahaz, of God confirming his clear direction like he did to the shepherds. And there's one sign that he used for the magi or the wise men. They were not kings. You know, we say these three kings, they're just rich. (laughs) They're rich, rich guys from the East. There is very clear story about the star that they saw, but I'll just tell you before I read the text, we don't know what it was. The Bible never says specifically what it was. Now, at point, there's all sorts of different clues about what it is. It could have been uh, planets colliding. It could have been all sorts of different things. There was a show that came out, I don't know, 15 years ago or so called The Star. That was really cool. I watched that. But at the end of the day, it was a supernatural sign. It was a supernatural event that was given to these wise men from the East. And I want to zero in on these magi today because one of the most crazy things about the magi is that they journeyed, they followed, they knew that the star was signifying the supernatural birth of the king of the Jews. But when they landed where they thought the king of the Jews would be born. He wasn't there. And they had to journey further. Let me pick it up and let me read it. Uh, Matthew 2 says this, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is the headquarters of the Jews, okay? We've heard a lot about Jerusalem, event, all of those things in the news uh, very recently. But the Magi went directly to the capital city of the Jewish people. Verse two, they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod, the king of the Jewish people heard this, he was troubled. He didn't just have a son. So he's like, what? What's going on here? You know, he's evil. He's troubled. And it says this as well. And all Jerusalem with him was also troubled. Verse four, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. This is Micah 5, 2. There was a prophecy in Micah. I'm about to read it to you. Micah 5, 2. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, lion of the tribe of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. That is Micah 5, 2. Okay. Old Testament pointing to the birth of Jesus right there. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem. We're going to come back to that. Interesting. Herod sent the Magi exactly where they were supposed to go. 
to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Yeah, right, Herod. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which had been in the east went on before them. Stars don't went, people. They do not move. Stars don't went. So it was a supernatural occurrence. They went on before them until it came and stopped and stood over the place where the child was. Stars don't went and they don't stop. They do not move. Okay. They are there, which is why every night you can go out and look up above the Big Dipper in your house. And you, there's the Big Dipper is the same place every time, right? I always go out at my parents' house because they live kind of out in the country in the cornfields of Indiana. So there's not a lot of lights. We live in, you know, in the middle of the, the Metroplex. And so we, we go out and we see zero stars. There's like, you know, a couple. They're super faint. But when you go to my parents' house, you guys, and it's night, and we do a lot of, like, bonfires and stuff like that at night, it is so incredible because at night you can see how brilliantly beautiful the stars are. are. And guess what? The Big Dipper's in the same place every single time I go there. And they lived there for a really, really long time. After hearing the king, verse 9, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, not a manger, guys, not a stable. It was a house. Jesus wasn't a baby. They had a house there. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country another way. Now, I've spoken on this briefly in the past. I have definitely talked about the star. I've talked about the Magi. But I want to talk to those of you today who you have your sign, okay? You have your word, you have your star, you have your angel, you have your whatever it is. You are at a place where you've been following the star, okay? You've been journeying with the star. And you have this expectation of this destination that you truly believe the star is leading you to. <laughs> you just know. Well, I just know the star is leading me to that man. And so I'm going to follow the star all the way up to his door. Or the star is leading me to buy that house. I'm going to buy that house. And I'm on this journey. I sold my house and, you know, did everything I was supposed to do. Paid off my debt, did the thing, did the whatever, moved to different country, uh, state or whatever it is. That house, that's it, that's it. The star's going to stop there. Or I just know the star is leading me to have a baby. And I'm going to follow that star. The star is leading me to that college. And that is the college that I'm going to go to. Maybe even because the Lord has said and insinuated 
in that direction. He's given you this supernatural understanding that he is moving you in a direction. You have received it and you have an expectation and an idea of where you believe the star's gonna stop because you know that you know what you're looking for. And you go and you stand at that guy's door and the star keeps going. (laughs) You go to buy that house. And, uh uh-oh, somebody bought it out from under you. You go and apply to that college. And, uh uh-oh, that really bad sophomore year in high school really messed you up. Those SAT scores, they're not high enough. There is no green light there, and the star keeps going. What do you do when... You go to the obvious place that you think that God is leading you and he says, nope. This is why I sang loud because no one was home. This is why I sang, I surrender all this morning. Because I believe if we get to this place where we've dated this person for so long and he's got to be it and something in your spirit is saying, nope, this is not it. Or if we've put all of our eggs in this college basket or if we've really uh, dreamed about this particular home, whatever your star, your expectation of your star leading you is going. When we put all of our expectation in that thing and God says, nope. It's just a stop in the journey. You got more journeying to do. Most times, this is when a Herod comes in to our story. Thank you, Jesus. That was from you. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the days of Herod, The Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, the obvious place, with an obvious question. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star and have come here to worship him because it's got to be here. It is the obvious place. It's got to be right here. So everybody cough it up. Cough up the information because he has got to be here. We want to see him. We want to worship him. This is what our plan was the whole time. So someone tell me where he's at. He's not here. What? He's not here. Herod's freaking out. Jerusalem's. This must have been quite pomp and circumstance because all Jerusalem with him was troubled. Verse three, when Herod, the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. All Jerusalem knew that these guys, and there probably was more than three of them. We sing these three kings, but there probably was more than three of them and they weren't kings. 
it had to have drawn a lot of attention. You know when you're going and you're looking for something and you just have this expectation, this is it. This is where it's going to be. And you tell everyone and everybody, you know, you make a big deal about, oh, I'm here. Okay, I placed my application. Okay, we're meeting with the realtor. Okay, we're going out on this date. I think this might be the night that he proposes and he breaks up with you. Oh, there's multiple offers. You don't get in the college. But you've told everybody. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance about this is it. We made it. We followed the Lord. We were faithful and God brought us through. And it was a pause rather than a destination. It was a stop rather than a final place of rest. When you get, this is from the Lord, when you get here in this place, You had all this expectation. It was all placed in everything other than the Lord. But when you get to this place and your expectation somehow is dashed because you think, what? I thought king of the Jews, Jerusalem. That makes sense. Herod enters the scene. Now, I might do a whole message on Herod. Not today. Herod is evil. He represents the enemy. He actually killed all the kids, two and younger, in Bethlehem when he found out the Magi tricked him. And, you know, spoiler alert, but that's what happened. He's evil, okay? He tells the uh, Magi, you know, go find him in Bethlehem, and then I'm going to come worship him, wink, wink. And thank God for God, because God warned the Magi, "Mm, no, he's evil. Don't, Don't do that. And they went back another way. But when we get to this place of dashed expectation, because you were following the, you were following the star, you were following the leading and all of a sudden it's not there. Herod enters, the enemy comes in and he starts working on you. It is so interesting to me. And I thought about this all morning long, the entire morning. I thought about this verse four gathering together. Herod did this, gathering together all the chief priests, scribes of the people. Herod inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Herod went searching, where's the Messiah going to come from? And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written in Micah 5, 2. Listen to what happens. Then Herod secretly called the Magi secretly and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. Go, search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report to me that I too may worship him. Doesn't that sound a little slimy? (laughs) Here the Magi, uh, Herod gathers all of these scribes and everybody together. Where is he going to be born? Okay, cool. Bethlehem. Okay, the enemy, Herod of Jesus, who did not want a king of the Jews uh, because that would have meant that he would be out of a job. He was the enemy. All of a sudden becomes buddy-buddy with the Magi who are searching for him. Even to the extent that he tells them where to go. The direction for the Magi came from Herod. If you are in this place... Ooh, this is so good. And it was the right direction, by the way. He told them the truth. They, he, they were supposed to go to Bethlehem. 
When you are in this place where you've been following the Lord and you think that you're reaching this destination and all of a sudden it ain't there. Whatever God has for you isn't there. And you, you start getting frustrated. Watch for the voice of Herod. You might've got it wrong. Now, what, what exactly did God tell you? When exactly did the star appear? Oh, okay, okay. Well, you do need to go to Bethlehem, but make sure you come back and tell me about it. Make sure you include me in this thing that God's ultimately doing for you, but make sure you include me. I want to be a part of it. I want to worship him too. Doesn't it just sound slimy? But this is the perfect place. When you've been following so faithfully, nothing can stop me. I'm following the star. I'm doing it. It's a journey. And all of a sudden, there is a burst bubble, a burst expectation, a burst dream, something. All of a sudden, enter the enemy. He wants to be your buddy because he wants to take the blessing that you're ultimately journeying for away from you. They went to the obvious place, but the wrong place. Herod comes in. Buddy, buddy, let's be friends. Now, where did you see the star? It doesn't this just sound so much like the enemy. Now, where did, no, what did you, no, no. When did it start? Tell me everything, but let's do it in secret. Because we don't want anybody else to know. Let's just have this between me and you. And his desire is to form a pact with you. So that when you do find that place, that the Lord is, is in fact leading you. You remember, oh, wait, no. Maybe we should go tell Herod, too. You see how slimy the enemy is when it comes to a dashed expectation? Watch for the voice of Herod. This is for somebody out there today. I can feel it in my spirit. Someone out there just got the biggest shock of their life. Because what they were searching for, they went for, and it was not, in fact, where God was ultimately leaving them. And you're listening to the voice of Herod, and he's trying to make a deal with you, and he's trying to question you, and he's trying to be your buddy-buddy, and he's trying to get you in your feelings rather than your faith. And he's trying to make those different things take over you. I am telling you right now, put your eyes back on the star because the star is what led you in the beginning. And the star is not going to stop until it's right over the destination where God would have you get your mind away from the enemy Capture every thought, make it obedient to the word of God and fix your eyes on Jesus. Because let me tell you something, Bethlehem is five miles south of Jerusalem. They were in the exact vicinity of where Jesus was born. They were right there, five miles. It takes me five miles to go to Target, people, five miles maybe three and a half, but it takes me a very short distance. They were in the vicinity. And what did Herod want them to do? Make a deal with him. When you find him, come back and tell me, because I want to worship him too. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And we know that by his actions after the Magi didn't keep their part of the bargain. I came to tell you today, as you logged on, 
you're close. You're so close. Because Herod's entered the game to mess up the plan. You're close. The Magi were five miles away. They were close. You're in the same neighborhood. You're close. If you're hearing the voice of Herod, you're close. Do not give up now. You've got one more leg. One more leg of the journey. Go search carefully for the child, verse 8. And when you found him, Herod said, report to me that I too may worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced. I want to remind you that you do not see stars during the daytime. Stars are visible at night, which is why, you know, when you see the wise men and everything, it's always night. This has significance to me. Because if you've gone to Jerusalem, the obvious yet wrong place, you're probably feeling like it's night. (laughs) You're confused. It's dark. What's happening? Where did everything go? I thought it was on the right track. I'm not. Might feel a little dark in there. But yet, that's when the leading of the Lord is more visible. That's when we lean in even harder. That's when we focus even greater. That's when we really start tuning out everything. Because I didn't get it right in Jerusalem. But I 100% am going to zero in and listen and look and watch and follow until the leading of the Lord leads me exactly where I'm going to go. You're close. You're close. My husband and I, several years ago, in about 2018 at this point, I don't think I've ever shared this story, God laid it on our heart, actually laid it on my husband's heart. (laughs) It was really in his heart. (laughs) I want you to plan a church. And it seemed, now I was shocked because I'm always, I've, that's never been what I have felt like God wanted me to do ever. But you know, we're surrendered. We have our hands up in the air and we're like, Lord, whatever, wherever, whenever, whatever, however, whatever. We started going down the track to plant a church. Met with a lot of people. A lot of people were excited about it. A lot of, you know, I eventually got to the point where I was actually excited about it. And we were praying, you know, getting websites, doing all of those things that you have to do in order to launch anything these days. Talking to people, talking to our pastor's friends, getting a lot of wisdom, getting a lot of counsel, all the things. We thought the star was leading us to do that. And maybe that is in the future for us. Maybe it is. I don't know. But one day I went on a prayer retreat and, you know, we were kind of like, you know, really, very serious. I mean, we would already met a couple times in our house. Very serious about uh, building a launch team and, you know, all of those things. And I went on a prayer retreat in the middle of all this because I didn't have a hundred percent peace about the timing. I, I was feeling like, yeah, this is something that I, I do believe God could be in. We were praying a lot and we were looking for that peace. We were looking for that star to stop, but it just kept going, you know, 
I went on a prayer retreat by myself, which you do every single year. And the Lord gave me a passage of scripture, which I'm not going to read you because it's a little bit personal. But basically in the passage of scripture, he said to me, you're not going to do this. Now, my husband was swirling and doing all the plans and all the things. And through this one passage of scripture, he told me very clearly, you're not, not going to do this. I read that passage of scripture five times. And then I sat back and I said, okay, that's weird. <laughs> is that a coincidence? <laughs> What's going on here? God, is this you? We've worked towards this for years. Is this you? Read it again. Was on a prayer retreat. Prayed about it the whole time. Did not tell Eddie because I felt like God said, mm, don't tell him. I'm going to tell him. And I said, okay, great, because I want to do that. <laughs> a couple months went by and I, you know, listened to everything that he said. And he met with someone actually at the church that we attend now, Gateway. And this person, the meeting actually completely blew his mind. And I, I mean, I was working and I came home one day and he said, you need to sit down. And we had a conversation about planting a church based on this divine appointment that he had with this member of Gateway Church. And I was able to share with him what God had told me months previous because he said, I don't know at this point if this is what we're supposed to do. We thought the star was leading us right there to Jerusalem. This is what we're going to do. We have been in full throttle launch a church mode, okay? And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, it had been months in, in progress. Rather than it being a destination, it was a stop. And it actually led us to where we are now. He's on full-time over at Gateway. We love our church. And there's a really long story that goes to that. But it's on my heart to talk about it today because it was very discouraging. Shocking. Herod came in. He started telling us all sorts of things about our calling, about who we were, about this, that, the other, about he was trying to make a deal with us. He was trying to get in our heads. But our allegiance wasn't to him. Our allegiance was to the spirit of the living God. And so we listened and we journeyed and we kept going. And finally, we've made what I believe God was leading us all along. There's so many little stories that I could tell you in that one specific journey of our life. Shocking stories that even shocked me. But I want to tell you this. If you're frustrated, if your expectation has just been dashed, if Herod has entered the picture because you're following a sign from God, it's close. Have him be your strength. Let him take over your emotions. Let him show you the next steps if you're confused. Because he will. Just like he did that to us. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the robust wisdom that you placed in the story of the birth of your son. Thank you that it's so relevant. Thank you for the truths that are screaming at us from 2,000 years ago. Saying, follow that star. Don't give up. 
I pray for that heart today that is like, what? What is going on? Encourage them. We trust you, God. We have raw, naked trust in you alone. All the layers of our emotions pulled back. It's just raw. Guide us. Lead us. Give us the strength to fix our eyes back on Jesus. To lead us ultimately to where you would have us go. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys more than you know. I hope this encouraged you. I'll be back after the break with a story and a question from one of you. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. I, I, I loved, love, 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 loved that. Okay, I want to tell you this testimony. It's really special from someone very near and dear to us um, here at the ministry. It's very interesting. I've been talking about signs, obviously, but this is a testimony. This is what God is doing in your life this week. I had planned to meet with a friend last week and was so anxious about it. My friend and I needed to reconcile after some pretty bad miscommunication. We've all been there, right? I was fearful of the worst and of losing my friend. I was shaking. I prayed and I dwelled in scripture about peace and I listened to hopeful podcasts like ours. But the one thing I did made all the difference. I asked God for a sign. While I was listening to your message about God asking God for a sign and not to be like King Ahaz, an image of a African-American person with thick dreads came to my mind. I thought, okay, God, if you'll show me at our meeting place, this person, I'll know that you'll be present and that you will want our friendship to thrive. The very first person I saw when I arrived at our meeting place was an African-American woman with thick dreads. God answered my prayer with that sign and he delivered on his promise to restore my friendship. 
In fact, God brought my friend and I closer together than we were before. And they have a deeper understanding of each other. This is the stuff I'm talking about, guys. God is so close to us. He is so intimately aware of everything that you go through. Reach out and ask him to show you himself. And he will. Oh, I love it so much. Um, Okay, here's a question. Have you ever felt like God's ask of you was so big, it not only scares you, but you doubt yourself? I want to say I never doubt God, but knowing I am at the same time. In one hand, there's so much faith, but in the other, doubt because of what he is asking me. God's done amazing things in those around me and in my life, but when God's ask seems too big, I think I have to wait to feel worthy. Can you help with right perspective in this or where I have wrong beliefs in order to take siege of things God's directing me to conquer? So I talked to Amanda about this because she's the one that pulls these for me. And um, I'm like, tell me exactly what this question is trying to say. And we have, after processing it, I believe that this person, whoever you are that's asked this question, you have this huge ask of God. I want you to do this for me. And you don't feel like you're enough. And that's the simplest way that we can put it. I hope that helps. I just want to tell you, that's not what he asked. He didn't ask if you were enough. He asked you to obey. Everything that I have done in life, I am not educated to do. Um, It's just crazy. I did a conference ministry. I didn't know what I was doing. I just obeyed. Our job is not to qualify ourselves. God's already done that. So if he's asking of you and you're trying to re-qualify what God has already qualified, it really has nothing to do with God ask. It has to do with your level of obedience. Your job is to push through scared, feeling inadequate, you know, feeling like you can't do it. I have been more fearful at some of the stuff that God has asked of me than anything this world throws at me. But you know what? You do not do it without him. He is the one that is paving the way. It should be harder than you think you're qualified to fulfill. You know why? Because it's not harder for God. And he goes in before you do to any quest that he has you go on. He didn't ask if you were qualified. He asked if you would do it. We've got to simplify our thoughts, guys. Um, Maybe by the world standards, you're not. But are you obedient? That's all he's asking. Okay? Every time I've said yes in obedience, I have told God, you know I'm not qualified to do this. And God said, that's not what I ask. I ask if you would. Not if you're qualified. Because Peter certainly wasn't qualified to build the church by our standards. Moses, a murderer, led the nation of Israel. Like, let's look at the patriarchs and matriarchs in scripture and then say, you know what? God didn't ask them if they're qualified because he already did that for him. He asked, are you willing? Are you going to be obedient? That's what he's asking. That needs to be your mindset. 
Okay. Love you guys so much. Obsessed with you. Merry Christmas. I will see you right here next week on the Autumn Mile Show. I love you so much. Enjoy your families. Hug those kids. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available. From her books and past episodes to her video series, we've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Autumn Miles Show.